that you've grown up, at least most of you, you've grown up hearing the truth that salvation is by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid the price and God was satisfied. God was pleased with that sacrifice. And what a great truth in song this morning. Let's take our Bibles, if we could, and turn to Luke chapter 9. Take the Word of God and turn with me to Luke chapter number 9. We're going to begin, or excuse me, we're going to end, not end, we still have tonight. And I pray that you'll be back tonight. Tonight I want to give us, we are going to partake of the Lord's table, but I want to give us a very, some might call very simple message tonight, but I believe a message that will help us as we get ready to head into the new year. Let me say this, nothing magical about January the 1st, right? Nothing magical about 12-0001 tonight, nothing magical about that. Uh, however, God is the God of new beginnings, and we do have a new year that God gives us opportunity. Maybe some things we didn't do as well this year that we wanted to, or better yet, that God wanted us to. We have a new opportunity in a new year. And so I want to give us a message tonight that I hope will just be a help as we um, head into 2024. Hey, no better way to end the year than, than being in church tonight. It's where we ought to be. And um, we, we can go to activities and parties and things, the, by the way, the right kind of parties afterward, but uh, no better place to be than in God's house tonight. So I pray that you'll be back tonight. Luke chapter 9, we're going to end here today where we began at the beginning of the year. Our theme for this year, our theme verse is found here in Luke chapter number 9, verse number 62. The Bible says, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And our theme this year has been hands to the plow. But I want to end here because I want to back up and really see the entire context, not just back up to verse 57, but back up to verse number 51. So let's do this. If you are there and if you're physically able, stand with me. We're going to read verse 51 down to the end of the chapter. We'll give the children opportunity to go. We'll give the children an opportunity to be dismissed to children's church and to toddler church this morning. Luke chapter number 9, verse number 51. And verse 51 will primarily be our text this morning. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when the time was come, that he should be received up. And I want us to fix our attention upon this phrase, this last part of verse number 51. He steadfastly set his face... To go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that... We're not going to look at a lot of this context this morning. We're primarily going to fix our attention on verse number 51. But James and John do what a lot of us do at times... They said, Lord, you, you want us to take care of these guys? That's what James and John said. Wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord... 
I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. See the first one there in verse 57, he said, I'll follow you. Verse 59, Jesus says, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. I will. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now let me say this right from the get-go. Verse number 62 is not saying that a person can lose their salvation. Okay? Once a person is saved, once they've called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, the Bible says that they're saved. God does not lie. God cannot lie. And the Bible says that they are saved. But after salvation and speaking about this matter of service for the Lord Jesus Christ, when we put our hands to the plow, we keep our hands to the plow and we keep our eyes fixed upon the prize. And there's no looking back. There, there's, there's nothing to deter us from that which God has called us. There's, there's no taking our hands off of the plow. And we've been speaking about that this year. And I want to finish this morning this theme and this thought. And I want to bring us a message entitled, I want Him to show me how to plow. I want Him to show me how to plow. Father, help us and teach us today. Remind us of some wonderful truths that we've even spoken about already this past year. But Father, I pray that you would remind us, help us. Father, I pray most of all, if there would be an individual or maybe individuals who are in this auditorium this morning who have never come to the saving knowledge of Christ, they have never called upon the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin. And right now they stand here lost and undone. If death were to take them right now, their eternal destination would be hell. Father, if there would be individuals like that today, I pray that before they leave this property, that they would know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so, Father, I pray that. I pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to move in our midst today, whether it be for the unsaved to convict of their sin and help them to be saved, or for the saved to convict us and remind us and challenge us to keep our hands to the plow. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will work in our hearts today and we'll surely thank you and praise you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. If there ever, at least in my mind, this is just in my mind, and I know we have some individuals in here this morning that could probably do the same, but if there was ever anyone who could teach someone to, excuse me, to plow or how to plow a physical parcel of ground, it would have been my daddy. My daddy hated to plant a crooked row. My daddy farmed well before the days of computerized GPS systems and the tractors where you set the GPS and it's going to go for you. It's going to do it for you. It's going it's to plow. It's going to plant. It, it's going it's to do it for you. 
And my daddy, when he would plow a field, he would plow it, and then he would disc it, and he would disc it, and he would disc it again. One of the fond memories that I have, and this may sound weird to y'all, but it's just a memory that I have as a child, was being out in the field with my dad. And as a little boy, I never did a whole lot. I was just there. My dad did all the work, and you know, I played in the, in the corners of the fields while my dad worked, but when he would plow a field and then he would disc it and disc it and disc it and get it ready for that seed to be put in there, he would disc and disc and disc and that soil would be so soft. And well, one of my fondest memories would be to walk out into that field with my shoes off and feel that cool soil under my feet and it would be so perfect. It would be so soft. And then my dad would get ready to plant. And I know we're talking about plowing this morning, but he'd get ready to plant. And if he's going to plant a row, he's going to plant it straight. He would fix in his mind, he would fix a, uh, something at the end of that row, whether it was a tree, whether it was a fence post or whatever it was. He would set his eyes upon that specific thing and he would go to that thing and he would not move his eyes. And occasionally he would look back to make sure that the planter was working. But he would fix his sight upon that thing and he would, he would go there and he would never move his eyes until he came to the end of that field. Because he wanted to plant a straight row. Now that's physical planting and plowing. But when it comes to spiritual plowing, there is no one who can be or give us a greater example than the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you notice again verse number 51? The Bible says, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. Many thoughts about that phrase there, to be received up. I, I believe he's thinking about, I believe he's looking toward uh, the resurrection. I, I believe he's looking past the cross, not past the cross, but what's going to happen after the cross when He's going to rise again, when He's going to be received up into glory. And so a lot, lot of argument about that received up, but no argument about, about the last phrase in verse number 51. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen in Jerusalem. What's going to happen in Jerusalem is that He's going to be tried. He's going to be slandered and lied about, people are going to bear false witness against him. And he's going to go to the cross and he's going to die, literally die. He's going to shed his blood for the sin of all mankind. He knows what awaits him in Jerusalem, does he not? He absolutely does. And the Bible says, even knowing what awaits him in Jerusalem, the Bible says, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, I want you to take your Bibles, hold your place here. We'll be back in just a moment. I want you to take your Bibles and go to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 50. Isaiah chapter number 50. By the way, why is it important... We could give many reasons this morning, but why is it important that we keep our hands to the plow? Moms and dads, why is it important that you keep your hands to the plow when it comes to your kids? Hey, teenagers, why is it important that you keep your hands to the plow as a Christian teenager? Why is it important as a church, as Maranatha Baptist Church, why is it important that we keep our hands to the plow? Why? Why does it even matter? 
I, I hope in 2023, getting ready to head into 2024, we see this truth or we see these reasons even better than maybe we've ever seen them before. Why is it important? Well, because we have soil to prepare, because we have seeds to plant, and because we have substance to produce. We talked about that right at the beginning. We have soil to prepare, and we prepare the soil so that we can plant the seed. And we plant the seed, why? So that we can reap the harvest. There is substance to produce. Hey, moms and dads, if you want your kids to turn out, they don't turn out just by default. They don't just turn out if you just put it on automatic and just say, I'm, I'm going to put this on autopilot and be an autopilot parent. That doesn't happen. It takes work. It takes keeping your hands to the plow. By the way, especially in 2023. Especially in 2024. Because our kids, there's never been a time when our kids can see things that we didn't get to see when we were their age. There's never been a time when our children have such access, by the way, to good things. Our children can listen to preaching that we never could when we were their age. They can pull up their devices and listen to good preaching during the week. They can pull up their devices and listen to good Christ-honoring music during the week. We, we had to, man alive, when I, when I was their age... We had these contraptions. Now, I never did this. Maybe some of y'all did. Some of the guys I went to school with. We had these contraptions, contraptions called boom boxes. You remember those? Big old speakers and big old stereo systems. And, and people would carry these on their shoulder. I don't know if they had batteries in their pockets. But listen, now today, all they have to do, they have their device that they have in their hand. It's an extra appendage, and they have their device. But listen, it can be good, but it can also be terribly bad. Why is it important that I keep my hands to the plow as a mom or a dad? And sometimes I have to say no. And sometimes it even feels like I have to say no more and more and more. And why do I have to keep my hands to the plow when it comes to that? Because there's soil to prepare, there's seed to plant, and there's substance to produce. Look at Isaiah chapter number 50. Notice verse number 7. It says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. You know what a flint is? It's like a rock. He said, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Isaiah chapter 50 is messianic. It's speaking about the Holy One. It's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in verse number 7, and I believe this is a reference, or actually that Luke 9, 51 is a reference to Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 7. He said, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed if I put my hands to the plow and I set my face upon the prize and I keep my hands to the plow and I continue to serve and continue to serve and continue to do that which is right and continue to obey God's word and continue to head toward the goal and head toward the prize, I'm never going to be ashamed. By the way, those that the Bible tells us about that, or excuse me, says the same thing about the matter of salvation in Romans 10. 
says that nobody's going to be ashamed. You are Greek. Those that believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll never be ashamed. And I want to give you this morning, just real quickly, I want to give you three reasons why I want Him, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, to show me how to plow. I could just give you one because He's the great example when it comes to everything, isn't He? But I want to give you three reasons this morning of why we should want Him to show us how to plow. Number one, when Jesus plows, His face is set. When Jesus plows, His face is set. It is set with a single determination. It is set towards a specific destination. And it is set refusing, excuse me, refusing all selfish distractions. Is, it is set, his face is set with a single determination. His single determination was, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to the cross, I've come here for a reason, I was born to die, I was born to go to the cross of Calvary. His face is set with a single determination. That should be no different for us today. We're not going to the cross of Calvary, we're not dying for anyone, but we are living for the one who did die for us. We're living for Him because He's done everything for us. Not so that we can be saved, but because we're already saved. I don't do what I do in order to. I do what I do because of. I don't do what I do in order to be saved. I do what I do because I'm already saved. I don't live holy and righteously so that I can be saved. I live holy and righteously because I am saved and because it is the mercies of God that beseeches me to present my life to Him. And I dare say this morning that every single person in this auditorium this morning has received some mercies. And if you've received some mercies, then He deserves for you and for me to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Well, God hasn't called me to be a preacher. He hasn't called me to be in the ministry. He hasn't called me to do this. You've received some mercies. Amen! Every single one of us have received some mercies. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Number one, when Jesus plows, His face is set with a single determination. Take your Bibles and go into Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. With a single determination. His face was set. His face was set like a flint, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 50. Matthew chapter number 6, His face is set with a single determination. A single determination. And no time has there ever been in history where our attention is pulled in so many different directions. So many things vie for our attention. It's amazing, you, you, you sit sometimes and you look and you watch teenagers and they're all in the same room and every single one of them, doesn't matter how many there are, it may be five, it may be ten, it may be twenty, but they're all doing this. By the way, adults were the same. Adults were no better. And boy, there's so many things vying for our attention. A single determination. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt 
and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Notice this, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye, notice this, be what? If thine eye be what? Single. If thine eye be what? Single. If thine eye be what? Single. That, that, that means not pulled in all these different directions. I'm not looking at, at so many other. I'm looking at one thing. I, I, I have one thing. I have my eyes fixed upon the prize. I have my eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says here, for, or excuse me, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of what? Of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light, notice this, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, number one, when Jesus plows, His face is set. His face is set with a single determination. His face is set toward a specific destination. His face is set with a single determination. His face is set toward a specific destination. Take your Bibles once again to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1. Toward a specific destination. That destination was Jerusalem. The Bible says there in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 51, He steadfastly set His face to go to Jerusalem. And it wasn't just this place. It wasn't just this city. It was what was going to happen in that city. It was what He was going to that city for. He was going to that city to die on the cross. He was going to that city to pay the sin of all mankind. He was going to that city with a purpose. When Jesus plows, why do I want Him to show me how to plow? Because when He plows, His face is set. It is set with a single determination. It is set toward a specific destination. Then the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1, Wherefore, speaking about what we've just spoken about in Hebrews chapter 11, because of all these examples of faith in Hebrews 11, he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run how? With patience the race that is set before us. Notice verse number 2. We're talking about toward a specific destination looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith we are to look our specific destination our eyes are to have a single determination toward a specific destination and that is looking unto Jesus the author and our excuse me the author and finisher of our faith but the verse doesn't end there he gives us an example he says that we're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, because Jesus, who for the joy that was set before Him, set His face and endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. If Jesus Christ could set His face to go to Jerusalem and to go to the cross, and to take the sin. We don't understand this. Because God is holy. And God is righteous. And that's His character. God is sinless. We're not. We live in this flesh. Now, if you're saved, you have the righteousness of Christ. Positionally speaking, 
Positionally speaking, you are sinless. You are righteous before a holy God. But we still live in this flesh. We still sin, don't we? So when it comes to the matter of sin, we don't understand it. Now, we should because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We understand it better now than we did before we got saved. But in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, sin is exceedingly sinful. The Bible tells us. And we're not as sensitive to how wicked sin is as the Lord Jesus Christ is. And so sometimes we allow things into our lives and you know, we make the statements, well, that's not as bad as that or it's not as bad as that. And I agree. Look, there, there are things that the Bible calls abominations, right? There are differences. But even the small things... We ought to be sensitive to. Hey, when I have a critical tongue with my wife and children, I ought to be sensitive to that. And I ought to be quick to want to get that right. When, when I think something I ought not think, I ought to want to be quick to get that right. I ought to be sensitive to this matter of sin to where I, I, I want to quickly when it happens and the Holy Spirit convicts and the Holy Spirit lays me bare and He says, look, you know that's not right. I ought to be quick to get that right. And look, I, I want Jesus Christ to show me how to plow because when He plows, His face is set and nothing detours Him from the mission that He has. And as Christians, look, our faces ought to be set because God has given us a mission and that mission is the Great Commission. That's what we live for. Now I know we have jobs and I know we have things we do and we have other things that are part of our lives, but we're constantly, or at least we should, we to constantly be sensitive and thoughtful to the Great Commission that God has given us with our eyes fixed upon the prize. His face was set with a single determination, with a specific destination. Who for the joy... By the way, we've said this many, many times. Who's the joy in verse number 2? All of us. Can you imagine? Father! You want me to go there for Him? Now, by the way, Christ never had that attitude because Christ is God. He never had that attitude. But, but in our minds, that would be our attitude. Do you, you want me to do that for Him? Do you, do you, have you seen what He does? Yes, I have seen what He does because I am omniscient. I am omnipotent. I am omnipresent. Yes, I know who He is. But God committed His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us toward a specific destination who for the joy that was set before Him, that joy was me, that joy was you. We don't understand that either because we're not very lovely, are we? But He loved us so much that He came to die on the cross. When Jesus plows, His fate is, excuse me, face is set with a single determination toward a specific destination. Number three, look back at Luke chapter number nine. Number three, refusing selfish distractions. This is what gets us in trouble. This is what gets us, this is what gets me as a Christian. 
It's all of the fleshly, selfish, excuse me, selfish distractions that come into my life that pull me away from keeping my hands to the plow and keeping my eyes fixed upon the prize. It's all the selfish, fleshly things. Look what he says in verse 57. Why, Pastor, why is that important? Are, 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 are things of this world, is, is it all bad? No. No. Is having a home bad? I don't know. Should, how should I answer that? No! Look, look what he says. In verse 57, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Okay. He comes to cry. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Okay, the Lord's going to test him right here. The, the Lord's going to lay him bare. The Lord's going to... Um, give him some reality right here in verse 58. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air, excuse me, of the air have nests. They have a home, they have a place to live. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You ever think about that? That in his earthly ministry, he didn't have a home. Did he grow up in a home? Yes. Did he probably go back to that home on occasion? Absolutely, I believe. But did Christ during his three and a half years of earthly ministry, did he have a home base that we know of? To have a house that he went back to? The Bible says, is it wrong to have a home? Absolutely not. Is it wrong to want to say goodbye to family? Absolutely not. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, and but go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. All three of these examples, it's not wrong to have a home. It's not wrong to want to take care of your family and bury a uh, loved one who has passed away, especially a father or a mother. It's not wrong to want to go back and bid farewell to your family members. But the point that Christ is trying to make is that when we put our hands to the plow, yes, there are things in our lives that we have to do, but we should never allow those to be distractions from the mission that God has called us to. And many times they become distractions. Many A home is not wrong. But many times we can rob from God because we want to furnish that home and we want to remodel that home and we want to do this. And we watch HGTV and we have to have everything that everybody on HGTV has. Oh, Pastor, you're meddling now. No, 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 I'm just saying... We don't have to have everything that HGTV has if it's going to rob from God. If me remodeling or if me buying new furnishings or if me doing this or that, if it's going to keep me from tithing or keep me from robbing or, or, or cause me to rob from God or cause me time that I ought to be giving to God, that's a selfish distraction. And the reason that we ought to want the Lord Jesus Christ to show us how to plow is because when He plowed, His face was set like a flint with a single determination toward a specific destination, refusing 
selfish distractions. And I submit to us this morning, that ought to be our heart. That we put our hands to the plow with a single determination. With a specific destination. Moms and dads, you ought to have a specific destination when it comes to raising your children. And I've said it many, many times, the destination is not to raise children who won't embarrass you. It's not to raise children where other people pat you on the back and say, oh, you, got, you have great kids. No, no, no. The destination is to raise spiritually mature children. Scripturally mature adults. That they know the Word of God, that they know God, and that they know the importance of being obedient to God and being obedient to His Word and knowing the blessings that come from that. Number one, when Jesus plows, His face is set. I'm going to give you these last two quickly. Number one, when Jesus plows, His face is set. Number two, when Jesus plows, His fruit is spiritual. His fruit is spiritual. That ought to be our hearts. Everything we do, we've already mentioned it, everything we do, we've said it recently, we cannot, we should not, we can never compartmentalize our Christianity. That's who we is, who who we is, (laughs) who we are 24-7, 365, 366 this next year, days of the year. That's who we are. Okay, when Jesus plows, his fruit is spiritual. He wanted the sinner to be saved and he wanted the saved to be successful. By the way, that's the Great Commission. He wanted the sinner to be saved. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. He said, I I didn't come to be ministered to, I came to minister. Why? Because he wanted people to be saved. He wanted the sinner to be saved. You know why a lot of people do a lot of the things that they do around here and nobody ever knows that they do it and it's not in the limelight and nobody knows that they do it. It may be cleaning, it may be decorating. It, who, who, we could mention so many things. But you know why they do it? Because they want people to be saved. They want people to be saved. And then they want the saved to be successful. By the way, I'm not talking about finances either. Although God does bless that way, doesn't He? If God has blessed you financially, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. But, but we're talking about successfully, or successful what? Spiritually. Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest do what? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way what? Prosperous. And then thou shalt have what? Good success. So, Christ wanted sinners to be saved. And then he wanted the saved to be successful. He wanted the saved to meditate in the Word of God, to know the Word of God, to love the Word of God, to obey the Word of God, because that's where success comes from. And that's not me saying that. That's not, wow, boy, the pastor, he's just ending the year, beginning the year, because he's just, he's trying to get us all in row, in, the, in line for the new year. No, no, no. If there's ever a heart's desire for people, and I don't even like that phrase, to be in line, but... If there's ever a heart's desire for that, it's simply because the Bible shows us that when we're doing what God wants us to do, that's where the blessings lie. That's where the peace lies. That's where the abundant Christian life lies. Number one, when Jesus plows, His face is said, I want Jesus to teach me how to plow spiritually because I want my fruit to be spiritual. 
I, everything I do, I want it to be spiritual. Everything I engage myself, I want it to have a spiritual end. Man, Pastor, you don't ever have any fun, do you? No, you, you know what? You, you can go. You can go to a game night tonight, and it still be spiritual. Did you know that? See, here's the problem. We have equated F-U-N with S-I-N. That's the problem. We have said that F-U-N equals S-I-N. The devil has lied to us. And we have, we have taken that lie, hook, line, and sinker, that F-U-N equals S-I-N. Teenagers have taken that F-U-N equals S-I-N. And they say, you know what? I need to have a little fun. I need to have a little uh, sin in my life to have fun. We don't have to listen to the Word of God when the Bible says that it's good for a man not to touch a woman. I don't have to live, listen to the Word of God when it says that fornication is wrong, that any type of, of relationship between a young man and a young lady is absolutely wrong outside of marriage. Listen, I can't ever have any fun if I don't do that. Yeah, but you know what you're going to miss? You're going to miss all the fun after you get married and you're going to be able to go to the marriage altar pure. That's the fun. Because you don't have to look back with any regrets. Because the devil has lied to us that F-U-N equals S-I-N. Don't buy that lie. When Jesus plows, His fruit is spiritual. Yielded to the Spirit and yielded to the Scriptures. Let me give us the last one. I want us to look at three or four passages real quickly. And we'll be done. Would you take your Bibles and go back to Isaiah 53? The young lady sang about this this morning. Number one, when Jesus plows, His face is set. Number two, when Jesus plows, His fruit is spiritual. He wanted the sinner to be saved. And listen, if you're here this morning and you have never called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, to forgive you from your sin, we want you to do that today. Jesus Christ came. We just celebrated His birth, but He didn't stay a baby. He lived. He was 33 years old when He went to the cross. But He lived and He died and He went to the cross of Calvary and He spread His arm. Nobody killed Him. He voluntarily laid Himself on that cross and He went to the cross of Calvary. He bled and He died. He was in the tomb for three days. Three days later, He arose victoriously, the Bible says. The Bible says He took sin, death, and the grave captive. He arose victoriously and He did all of that for you and for me. So you see, it's not about what I do that gets me saved. It's about what He has already done that gets me saved. Now, does it matter what I do afterward? Absolutely. But when it comes to the matter of salvation, I can't merit any favor with God. That's what grace is. It is His favor toward us. It is Him giving us that which we do not deserve. His mercy is Him not giving us that which we do deserve. And all of that is bound up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and there's never been a moment in time, if I were to come, in, come around today and ask you and say, hey, if death were to take you today, where would you go? Would you go to heaven? Because the Bible teaches us very clearly that when we take our last breath here, we're going somewhere. We don't just stay in the grave soul sleep. No, no, no. We're, we're going somewhere. We're going to heaven or we're going to hell. The Bible teaches that very clearly. The Bible says in Luke 16, and the rich man 
lifted his eyes in hell. So if I came around and said, if you were to die today, where would you go? If you don't know that, and if you can't answer that question, you can answer it before you leave today. Because the Bible says, for whosoever, Romans 10, 13, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall. Is God a liar? Can He lie? It's not His character. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look, when Jesus plows, His fruit is spiritual. He wanted the sinner to be saved, and then He wanted the saved after they got saved to be successful, to be baptized, to be added to a church, to be serving, to be successful. And then number three, when Jesus plows, the Father is satisfied. That's what the girls sang about today. Why do I want Jesus to teach me how to plow? Because when Jesus plowed, the Father was satisfied. Isaiah chapter 53, we'll go quickly through these. Verses 1 through 9, it speaks about the suffering, the agony of Jesus Christ. He went to the cross of Calvary. Verse 7 says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Verse 9, and he made his grave with the wicked. Verse 10, notice this, yet it, what? what's the word there? Pleased. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. It pleased the Lord when Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary. It pleased the Father. Yes, because He was satisfied. The sacrifice of Christ, His perfect blood, satisfied God's requirements. And when Jesus plows, the Father is satisfied. Go, a little bit, go, go to the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter number 2. While you're turning there, Philippians 2, let me, let, me, let me read the remainder of that passage. In Isaiah 53. Ah, let me get there quickly. Not Jeremiah. Isaiah 53, verse number 12. The Bible says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. He said, I will divide him a portion with the great. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about his exaltation. Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 5. The Bible says, Let this mind be in you. What mind is that? It's the mind of humility, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took Upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Emmanuel, God with us. He was robed in flesh and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And you know what? The Father was pleased with that. The Father was satisfied. Verse 9 Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. One more, Hebrews 12. Back to Hebrews 12 where we were earlier. Hebrews 12. When Jesus plows, His face is set. Let me ask you, has anything moved? Has anything caused your face not to be set this year? Anything caused your face to be distracted from the mission that God has given us to do? You see, when Jesus plows, His face is set. When Jesus plows, His fruit is spiritual. When Jesus plows, the Father is satisfied. Hebrews 12, verse number 2. 
the last part of the verse. It says, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, that's us, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What ought be our desire for Jesus Christ to say to us one day, when we leave this earth and we're done here, and we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day, it ought to be our desire that the Lord says this. What is it? Well done. Well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. You know, that's what God wants. He doesn't want all your money. Now, He wants you to be obedient and to give the tithe and the offering. He absolutely wants that. He doesn't want all your money. But you know what He does want from us? Faithfulness. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Revelation 19, the Bible gives two words. It gives a lot of words in Revelation 19 for Jesus, but it gives two words specifically. It calls Him the faithful and the true. The faithful and the true. Would you, as we finish up the year, and I pray that you have all year long, but would we allow Jesus Christ tomorrow and throughout 2024, throughout the remainder of our Christian lives, to show us an example to us how to plow, to keep our hands to the plow? Because He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. Father, thank You for the time today. Father, so much more could be said, but Father, simply, would You help us to keep our hands to the plow? Father, there might be some individuals in here this morning who have, have never even grabbed hold of the plow. They, they've, never, they've never called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. They're, they're still living in their sin. They're, they're not even a Christian yet. Lord, if that would be the case, I pray that you draw them to salvation today. I pray that they would see their need. And Father, for us as believers today, I pray that we would just commit afresh and anew. And I pray that we've done it all year, but I pray that as we finish and begin anew, Lord, I pray that we would say, Lord, I, I want, as we have been challenged to do all year, I, I want to keep my hands to the plow.